Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode three, currently sponsored by nobody. Although, Cinderin, we, dun, dun, we dun. do have a sponsor coming. It just hasn't been completely finalized yet. So wait for next week or the week after. I'm not sure when. Um, as always, this podcast is available officially on all major podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, for the people out there that continually ask, why is this not on Spotify? If you watch the first 30 seconds of any episode, you will know that it is in fact on Spotify. Spotify. You just need to search for it. (laughs) Uh, as always, if you go to sunsfan.gg slash podcast, you can find, uh, the audio there as well. Uh, be sure to give us great ratings. On things like the Apple Podcast, I think it might be the only one you can do that. There, there's a nice five star rating by our friend Casey with a bunch of E's and Y's. You want to read that for us? Sindra? Sure, I will. Nice podcast, great Dota Two content, uh, related content, which I am looking for. Sunsfan and Sindarin always have been great together, and the set and set and structured podcast setting fits them well. I like the topics and banter, and anywhere else they end up. He also went on to say that he actually hates your guts, but I actually cut that part out. But thank you, Casey, for the you know, five-star review. I just want to say, I want to make this clear really quickly. This was a totally random review that we picked out out of thousands of five-star yes. reviews. This was just one that stood out to us by Casey. So thank That's you correct. Casey. And so thank it, you all the other thousands that gave us five-star reviews. It does help a lot to do that, by the way. If you guys want a little shout-out every now and then, then we'll try to pick out the ones that we can uh, from here time to time but as always just to remind everybody we are on a set schedule which almost got fucked up today because of cinderin but he ended up feeling better it's gonna miraculously miraculously thank you did you drink water or something what happened i do that all the time and then i wash my hands okay good wait that wasn't in the recording so now that's gonna make no sense to anyone who's listening basically for people Uh, that don't understand what we're saying uh there will be a topic at another episode about washing hands because i feel like talking about it continue absolutely yeah well, yeah, I was feeling sick. Uh, I just came back from France. We were there for three days. Uh, my girlfriend was at a cosplay event, and I was helping out. And then I got sick after I got home. So I guess I carried something with me. Uh, it got pretty bad last night. And then I woke up in the middle of the night, felt pretty bad. So I was like, Shannon, I don't know if I'm going to be able to record. And then miraculously, I got a lot better over a couple of hours. So, you know, sleep can do wondrous things for you. You could have so a tapeworm. Be careful. I could. I did eat tatar, but... Tapeworms are only from raw fish, right? You ate tartare, and you're wondering why you're sick. Good. Uh, Anyway, to finish our intro, Cinderin, the episode is live on Twitch every week, every Tuesday, 2 a.m. PST, 11 a.m. CEST. Of course, uploaded to YouTube and podcast stations after that. Uh, For updates, like, for instance, for people that didn't know that this might have been canceled originally or postponed, you can find all the updates on Twitter, Suns Fan TV and Cinder and Dota. And one last thing, I truly apologize to all the audio listeners out there because I <sighs> kind of messed up on the first two episodes and uploaded as a dot wave, which means the episodes were like a gig, Cinderin. <laughs> they will oh, be in well. MP3 format from now on. So if you have bandwidth limits, uh, fear not. So you gotta you gotta give us a little bit of leeway in the start. 
Of yes. course, as it is with Suns fan, once he learns things, he never makes mistakes later. So it will be. You can trust him to do it properly from now on. Sure. Right? Uh, yeah. Good. If you want. Uh, we were talking about this last week, how I wanted to make, we were kind of joking, a, a weekly rant. And this is not weekly. I just got really angry last night, and I wrote this into the, <laughs> the outline of what I want to rant about this week. If you don't mind, Cinder, can I just oh, take yeah, like, a couple ahead. minutes? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, All right. of course. I know we talked about this in either episode one or two, and oh, my God, the auto chess item system is so fucking horrible. It makes me want to do some very, very bad things. Going up a How game. How about not like, playing it? Is that what it makes you want to do? Sorry, it's your rant. Can I'm I continue the rant? This is not how the weekly rant is here. supposed to go. Okay. So bad. you're going up against a pretty good lineup, but I have an amazing one, like God lineup. I have everything that I actually need, and I get destroyed. And I'm wondering, what, what the hell's going on? I look over. It's a troll two with double mask of madness, Daedalus, and of course, I haven't gotten items the entire game. He crushes me, and I die as a result. What is the point of random items? Can I ask you that, Cinderin? I... I genuinely don't understand. It doesn't incentivize financial purchases in any way, which we'll get to in a minute. It only frustrates people. And honestly, if items in general were not even in the game, the game would still actually be fun to play, I think. So in the 30 seconds that I was raging, I thought about ways to fix this. And believe me, I didn't think more than 30 seconds on this. This is top of my head fixes to the item system in fucking auto chess. Number one, yeah. give a guaranteed chance for for items to spawn from creeps okay get, get whatever it is you can make it as balanced as you want whatever that's number one number two get rid of this fucking flying items like jesus christ get rid of that that's the stupidest thing ever like the i played a game yesterday where i'm like third place i have no items and i look over the guy who is crushing everybody oh whoop-de-doo he kills somebody and three items come to him and no one else like how is that a thing and number three i think this would be really cool be able to sell your items for half price and buy something in replace that actually like you get a mask of madness when you're playing as a mage right it's mm -hmm. useless you put it on crystal maiden or something like it's of no use you can correct you, you lose a little bit of value by selling it but you can cater towards your specific lineup a little bit better mm -hmm. i think those are just the top of my head what, what are your thoughts on the item system uh, I think the biggest strength of this item system, the way it works right now, is that it helps bad people have success, so they want to play more. Uh, because if you're not very good at the game, you can still win because of luck. And the more of the luck you remove, the more of a skill-based game it gets, and maybe that will, in the end, reduce the amount of plays that it gets. Because I think one of the strengths of mm -hmm. auto chess is that anybody can just sit down and play a game, and you can be a beginner and still beat someone who's decent if you're lucky enough. That doesn't mean you win 50% of the time, but you win some of the time, instead of in Dota, if you're a new player and you go, you don't have matchmaking in auto chess, so you could be playing against very experienced players every time you queue, you just get crushed if it's a skill game. And maybe that would disincentivize people from playing. That's the only logic I can think about with this. I think it's terrible game design. I don't think it's very... It doesn't cater to me at all. I hate RNG elements like this that are game deciding. It's okay if there's a bit, like Dota, for example, has bashes or whatever that can, you know, have it make a difference. But... Uh, I, to me, auto chess is way too RNG, and I could understand why other people think it's fun. You know, I, I made this analogy the other time we talked about it with pub, with comparing it to like PUBG or Fortnite. You know, you queue in, you find a game instantly. Oh, I got bad spawns. Oh well, I can just queue for another game, right? Like I was, I was terrible. I played some Fortnite a while back. I was not good at that game, but I still played it a good amount. You know, because sometimes 
sometimes you get those good spawns and you're on a roll. And even though I was bad, I could maybe beat better players by being lucky. And maybe that was fun. Um, is it good design? Personally, I don't think so. It's good casual design, maybe. But if you're from the perspective that you want this game to be competitive and actually skill-based, I think it's terrible. So I I was mean, actually... what are you aiming for? That's the question. Yeah, and that the rant is now at an end, by the way. But I do have one more thing to say, kind of related. Um, I was reading this on Reddit, and after I read it, I no pun intended, I was shocked that I hadn't realized this before because it's definitely true. The thing that frustrated me, other than the items, the most about the game was just a small little mechanic where the courier has a cast range, right? Which is very annoying. I'm like, Wait, why what? Why does it not... You have to move the courier to be able to like put pieces on the board. It doesn't have a global oh. uh, range, right? Which I'm like, oh, like, what is the reason for that other than making me very angry all the time? Because sometimes <laughs> you can't get the pieces out on time because you have to move your fucking courier. I'm saying fucking a lot. I apologize. But yeah. it's very frustrating. And then I read something and it all clicked. Do you know what it is? What is the reason, you think? That the courier has a cast range? Yes. Uh, probably a limitation of the engine. That no, if you give of course it a global not. cast range, something Absolutely bugs not. out in custom games or something. No. no? Better reason. Okay. Come on. Give your second guess. You can do better than that. <sighs> Think like the career. devs. Let's go. What do they care about the most, Cinder? RNG. Does it have random cast range every game? No. Okay, never mind. You're failing horribly. So the reason... <laughs> the reason is money. If you don't move your courier around all the time, you won't want to make it pretty. Think about that for a second. Think about that. Isn't that... That's actually unbelievable. It never popped in my head, but it is 100% true. That's how they make their money. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're smart. What can you say? It is smart. Yeah. Takes a genius to develop this item system. (laughs) You got to sit down, be like... (laughs) Okay, here's a flowchart of all the things we could do. What's the worst path we could take? <laughs> and then yeah. you do that. But at least you mapped out your options, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, let's let's talk about Dota 2. And before we get started, I know some people um, were talking about... Uh, there was some feedback, I guess you could say, about how we don't didn't talk enough about Dota last episode. I think it's mm-hmm. just going to be week to week. It's obviously the game we'll talk about the most, but I don't want this to be a Dota 2 podcast strictly at all. That is not something when I When Dota has a lot of good stuff to talk about, we'll talk about it. If Dota Which, doesn't have a lot of good stuff to talk about, we'll talk about washing our hands. That's right. And to, yeah. this week, we have a lot to talk about, Sindarin. So Yeah, we do. We first do. and foremost, let's start in kind of chronological order here. The new DPC mm-hmm. season has been announced, so five majors, five minors. Uh, Slax's comment on Reddit actually surprised me that he wrote this publicly but here it goes i'm going to quote it and i'm going to ignore all the terrible spelling mistakes which there are more than like five or six in this short amount of time hopefully there is some kind of follow-up post with this from what i can tell the last year wasn't very profitable or well incentivized for tournament organizers was really hoping for some new ideas to shake up the competitive scene he spelled that so bad i have to mention it for tourney (laughs) orgs in the new season valve might be a little surprised when they go to the review, or sorry, when they go to review the submissions for next year's majors and minors, and they see they have no emails. Cinderin, what is your, what is your response to this? Like from the perspective, I'm what what am I right Any now? Any perspective? Am I a player? Am I an organizer? Ev- whatever you want to talk about, it's your choice. Okay, 
Yeah. So first of all, I think uh, I think this amount of tournaments is good. I think having five minors and five majors is totally fine. But I would like to see a change in the way things are structured because what was supposedly going to be the case this year with the minor system was that it was the incentive was that it would help grow the tier two scene. I don't think it has been successful in that. Uh, personally, I think the one of the primary problems is obviously I'm in a really stacked region, so that makes it harder. But you have the majors, and since nobody gets auto-invited to majors, not even the previous champions, the European qualifiers are bloodbath every time. Because you have like three of the best, I don't know, three of the best six or eight teams in the world in the same qualifier every time. Uh, that makes yep. it pretty tough. Um, that doesn't mean they can't have an off tournament, but generally they will qualify, right? So what's left in Europe? Then there is the minor qualifier, where Europe gets one slot, maybe... Has there been one minor with two Europe slots? Maybe there's been one, I'm not sure. Um, but generally, you know, there's one slot, and then you're fighting over that one slot, basically. So the entire Tier 2 scene that this is meant to grow, remember? Out of the entire scene that's meant to grow, one team will make it to, to a minor, mm. where they will play against other Tier 2 teams from other regions. But does that grow the Tier 2 scene? It, the problem here is that if you play these qualifiers and you don't get first place, you get nothing. You got nothing out of it. Sure, you got some experience, but you got nothing in return. You got no money. You got almost no promotion. So what are what's in this for sponsors? Like, what is worth getting into Dota 2 over as a sponsor unless you have a major team that is, like, guaranteed to go to the majors? If you compare Dota 2 to CSGO, uh, the amount of sponsored teams, I think, is pretty clear indication of the monetization of Dota 2 probably needing a push in a direction that incentivizes orgs uh, to get involved. <clears throat> and... I know this is a long... I'm talking a lot, but let me finish this. Please so, do. Um, I think can you, Valve's Can you approach... do it a little bit farther away from your mic, perhaps? Sure. Okay. Um, Valve's approach to Dota 2 has always been very player-centric when it comes to the competitive scene. Like, they're taking oh, care yeah. of the players, first and foremost, over the orgs. Which, you know, if you're a player, you should think that's great. But at the same time... In some situations, you've got to wonder if that is actually in the player's own interest that the thing is run like this. Because if the end result is that less sponsors are invested into it, the only players that are truly benefiting from this very player-focused approach are the players that are successful anyway. Because the ones that aren't get nothing out of it. They don't even have a contract. They don't even get paid a wage. Um, and because of how extremely competitive the scene is and how few opportunities you get to go somewhere and how little incentive there now is with these DPC systems to run secondary tournaments, online tournaments for 50k or 100k like we used to have in the past, can't monetize the workshop anymore. We haven't been able to do that for a couple of years by now. Uh, it's just hard to, you know, conjure up these money, uh, th this money that doesn't exist, these money. <laughs> these monies. Um, these monies. It just, it doesn't, it isn't there. And I, I'm not sure if the way things are run right now is what Valve were anticipating or expecting, or if they're just a bit disconnected from what is actually going on uh, from the community standpoint, like from the players and from organizations. Because it doesn't, you know, you compare, you just look at Dota, you look at CSGO, and it should be very obvious that there's very clear differences in how much money is in the scene, how it's organized, and, right. you know, the, the way basically the connection between the amount of money and the way the tournament systems function. It's just mm -hmm. different. Um, so what I am hoping for the next season is that even if Valve do five minors, five majors again, which I think is fine, this number of tournaments, I hope they implement some of the things they have working in CSGO where clearly there's a lot more tier two stuff going on. Uh, 
See, I believe that's the thing the that's interesting, right? It feels like the the teams more working teams, on these right? games. Well, not the, sorry, not the playing teams, but like the the team programming teams or whatever you want to call them, the devs, mm-hmm. Counter Strike yeah. and Dota. It feels like they literally never. It feels like they're two different companies, right? It, it, that's the it thing that I don't understand, you. and that that's the weird part. Um, one of the differences, right? So correct me if I'm wrong on this. I, I think you follow CS:GO relatively closely, at least maybe no. more than I do. Uh, maybe you still follow it more than I do. But anyway, uh, ma- minors and majors in CS:GO, it's like this stretch. The minor is a direct qualification to the major, and they're kind of like in succession to each other. Um, mm-hmm. And they have more than these eight teams. I think that is one of the problems with the minors is that they're always eight teams because the organizers that are hosting them, they can't afford to have 16 teams. It's too expensive. It's a bad return investment. So they're always going to do eight teams um, to try to to try to make a profit. That's just natural. But the problem with that is, again, representation for the players. Like there's so few teams that get to play in CSGO. I have to look this up right now. Let me just find the minor. What was the last minor? Great question, Sindrin. I'm going to find this. Hang on. Give me a sec. I'm an old school CSer, so I, I haven't paid as much attention. On top of uh, all of this, like disregarding the minor, major, whatever, I think CSGO also has less of them than Dota does. And what that does is uh, it makes more space for other tournaments to be organized throughout the year. There's a lot of these IEM tournaments, for example, ESL is running stuff, uh, the Blast Pro series. Like, where's this money coming from? Hmm. Like, why can they host these two-digit... I I don't know how many tournaments are throughout the year that are not part of a a circuit from Valve or whatever, but it's a good amount compared to Dota. Like, there's multiple great lands, good production, good prize money. Um, And I think part of the reason, or a really big part of the reason, is that the system is... How to say? It's self-sustainable. And in Dota, it doesn't seem like the system is very self-sustainable because 80% of the entire year is one tournament at in August and that's a whole yeah that's another everything and diminishes everything else and it just it doesn't seem like you know it's easy to say hindsight is 2020 right but it just you just look at what's going on right now and you have to feel like okay this could be better like Mm. this could be so much better not only because we aren't maybe satisfied within our game it's because we can literally look to another valve title in the other room (laughs) that is doing Clearly better in terms of its competitive scene and the money. Let's be fair. It's not. There has to be something you can do about it. It's not just another room. They're a floor up from the door. Okay. I just got to take the elevator then. (laughs) That's so Um, difficult. Well, I think the one thing that Valve has shown recently, at least by recently, I mean the last year or two, is they're more receptive to the community when community gets loud about something, right? Oh, for sure. The way that I I can look at this whole situation from the tournament organizer spot is. These tournaments, there is no way that they are making money. I would be absolutely shocked if any major made money this year. I would be shocked. Of course, this isn't just my personal experience with Captain's Draft, which was a couple years or whenever that was. Mm-hmm. I guess it was a year and a half ago because that it's yeah. a little bit of a different scenario. It's a minor, so it's not, and it was a lower budget probably than a lot of the other mi- uh, minors. I still lost a lot of money. Um, yeah. Of course, a lot of that has to do with it, the time. Uh, it was done, which was early January, which is the worst. But mm-hmm. just based on my talks with other tournament organizers in the last couple of years, I sponsors are not great for Dota. That's the problem. Like the the way that uh, Valve is kind of creating this DPC system, which in theory we we all liked it uh, when it was first introduced. The problem is this hands off approach doesn't work when sponsors don't want to sponsor Dota. That's yes. the problem. CS is very sponsorable, so. 
And of course, their system is a little bit different as well. If let's say it was flip-flopped and this system was in place right now and sponsors actually wanted to sponsor Dota, they wanted to put money, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd have no problem. For Tournaments sure. would be making money. <laughs> tier two teams, tier three teams would be making money. It's just, it's not a game that yeah. is uh, so attractive. What do, you th- what do you think is the solution or a step in the right direction? Like, what do you think well, we should do? This is a whole nother conversation because we talked about this a bit last week. I think TI needs to be completely restructured and spread that money around a little bit more evenly. Um, so you think like the community should fund the tournament circuit and not the sponsors? Because that's basically what it is, right? Like if you take TI's money and you place it throughout the year, it's the community paying for our competitive scene and not the sponsors. In you know a, what I mean? Yeah. No, that, that makes... I, to fix the sponsor thing, I don't think you can anymore. I think it's long gone. Dota is okay. very old at this point. It's past its prime, I guess you could say. Uh, it's considered the stepchild of League of Legends. Like that's a more attractive game for sponsors. It's, I, it's unfortunate, but it's just the reality of the situation. It's a very hard game to get into. Um, I guess you could make you could put in a, not only just a tutorial system or something like that, but also maybe cater the game to a little bit more casuals. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. spending a little bit more time, uh, you know making like things like turbo mode a little bit more uh you can balance that as its own mode like i was actually thinking ability draft would be really cool to just balance uh because right now you have this is a whole nother discussion as well but just as a random example because i feel like ability draft has a lot of potential it just hasn't been touched since it's been released but think of if you go to play ability draft one of the biggest issues you end up with a really like i've (laughs) the last two times i played ability draft i end up with clinks Right as the hero, <laughs> just as a hero, nice. stat wise is garbage. Right, That's so terrible. you could, in theory, rebalance the whole mode to have melee range, sure, but they have the same stats. Like all the range heroes have the same stats, the same attack mm-hmm. animation, everything's the same, and then the game becomes actually so much more fun to think about. Like theoretically, what skills are really uh, good together? What synergizes? What you don't have to worry about these horrible imbalances that kind of exist yeah. right now. Right, so that's just like one minor example of things they could do to help mm-hmm. cater the game to a little bit more casual crowd. Do you think Dota's like do Do you think that's what Dota? Um, how do I explain this? If you're a casual player, will you ever get into this game? Like, and by casual, I don't mean you're not trying to go pro. Like, it's not the comparison I'm looking for. It's right. more you're a guy who's like, okay, I'm looking for a new game to play. I have a couple of hours every weekend when I'm off work. Or in the evening when I come home and I've taken care of everything, I'm gonna sit down and chill, mm-hmm. and I'm looking for a new game to play. What are the odds that you get those players to be interested in the game? Just so, by nature of how the game works, like, do you right. think making turbo mode easier, making ability draft more accessible, or whatever, just the core game with two billion spells and items that are intertwined in such a complex way, do you think that type of player will enjoy this game? Like, if you really try to cater to them, do you think they're going to play it? I, I mean, not everyone. I mean, here's the thing, right? The, the thing you're going up against that is the biggest struggle is the fact that the game has been out for so long. It's not like... And it keeps getting more complex and added things, right? True. Dota but, 10 years ago was easier to get into because there were less heroes, less items, and that's more simplicity. True. So I mean, that's definitely true. But at the end of the day, how many games have the model in place where you can literally play every part of the game right away if you want without paying a dollar. And I feel like... And Valve obviously is kind of have this no advertisement policy where they just don't you know, put their footprint mm-hmm. in that regard. They, 
it actually would have helped a lot. I mean, there's a lot of misconception about what free to play means. Like it's pathetic. Yeah. Like free to play in Dota is not the same as free to play in League. Like you can argue yes. which one's better, which one's more profitable, all that stuff. It doesn't matter. The the way that Dota does that specific part is better for the player base. Like it has to be more attractive. It's just not people literally there's a segment of people that actually do not realize there's a difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what you should maybe also consider, again, if you're a casual player, this can be, hmm. you know, there's these systems in place in different games where, you know, log back in every day and you get a daily reward. You know, this kind of thing. Dota doesn't have that, obviously. Um, Dota Plus. I think for players that play, let's say you play 10 hours a week, 15, 20 hours a week, uh, there is some incentive in League's model that it feels like you are progressing towards something. You mm-hmm. don't have all the heroes, but you put in some time and then, oh, nice, over the last two weeks I played some games and now I can get to play this new champion that I was looking forward to trying to play. It's mm-hmm. like you're unlocking stuff in the game. It's a different model. I personally love the fact that all heroes are available, but it can also be super overwhelming. That's true. Like when you come into the game, there's a hundred whatever characters and you don't know any of them. Even if you start playing a game like League, let's say you have access, let's just say you have access to 20 champions or whatever. It's still a lot of information in the start to process. Um, Dota is just, it's really, it's kind of a damn it if you do, damn it if you don't situation where it's like, oh, it's awesome. You have access to everything that's so cool. But at the same time, wow, I have no idea what to do with all this information. I don't, do they still so have this in the game? Limit, where, limited mode? Remember when you make a new account, you can only play like 10 heroes for a certain amount of games or something like that? Is that still in, in the game? Dota? Yeah, they definitely did that for a while. But it I wasn't like remember. this whole, th- oh, this is cool, you get to unlock. The-. It wasn't like that. It was mm-hmm. just like you play this amount of games and you unlock everything. I would imagine if it's not in place anymore, uh, it's probably because they tested it and they saw no difference in the data. Mm. Um, and actually, I saw something interesting because I was watching, I randomly got to see this. I think I found it through a Reddit comment. Someone was talking about Warframe's design. I've never played this game. I just watched the video and found it pretty interesting. They, they had really tried to implement systems to make it more appealing to new players to come in. And with the things that they implemented and tried to catch the attention of these casual players, they saw almost zero difference. Because at the end of the day, the players that this game captured were people that were willing to invest lots of hours. And basically what they said is, people are smart. They go to your game and they can very quickly tell. He compared it to a Netflix series or whatever. He's like, how many hours will this game take me? Uh, how much time do I need to invest into it to get a good return? And it's like the, people can very clearly see a difference between a six-episode series and a 20-episode series. They know that the 20-episode series takes longer. Mm-hmm. And when they got into this Warframe game, it was still very clear that, okay, this is an amount of commitment I'm not willing to do for a game. So again, if you go back to Dota, yes, you can try to, I don't want to say dumb it down, you can try to simplify it a bit and make it easier to access in the start. But again, will you get different players or not? Or is the goal really what you should be focusing on in my opinion which i think is the biggest strength of the game is its extreme history don't lose the players you have right i think that should be the goal of the game and get back the old players that left well you can see the player numbers right they've been declining it's no secret when you go Mm. and and check the history of the game it was i think at its absolute biggest around ti3 i believe 2013 had the most players so you got to imagine, okay, is it because the game isn't getting enough new content? Is it because there's not enough replayability? Like, what if you introduce something in the game that made it way more appealing for people to come back and play every day? I think that's part of the reason people love the hell out of the Battle Pass for TI, 
because there's something to do. There's daily it's a, quests. It's a grind. A progression they system. like to grind. There's a progression system. Yes. There's a we talked about system. this in the artifact segment where I'm personally not that like either. that, right? Yeah. I think progression systems are almost necessary to retain player attention unless the game is just that good. And I'm not saying Dota is a bad game. Dota is an amazing game, and I've played it countless hours. Oh, right? we also so forgot I'm... to mention one aspect from the league side uh -huh. of things, right? Where yeah. you're actually investing all of this time into unlocking these characters, right? Which seems more fun for some people. I'm not one of those people, but regardless, mm -hmm. you spend that much time unlocking these characters, you're less incentivized to ever even try another similar game because you've already... Like the time you've, you've put into that game that you've invested... Yes. You can't get that back, and it feels like a waste to just throw away those characters and go I play another game. I heard that story told quite a few times. I've read about that from league perspective, uh, league player perspective, for sure. Because it feels like you've, you know, yeah, you've earned something. You've grown in the game, and so I don't think way, should copy it, that model. It feels. I'm not saying that so. either. I don't think so either. But uh, anyway, let, let's move on to the next segment. So, sure. uh, Cap, we could talk about this forever. I That's know. Really complex. And yeah. Valve are smart. It's not. I don't think it's very easy <laughs> to do this. But like we I, could I make, have this feeling you could definitely do something. When we talk about things like this, it feels like sometimes one person's leaning. It's never a black and white situation, right? There's so many different mm -hmm. factors that we're not even mentioning yeah. right now. Uh, Cap. So Cap okay. tweeted. Uh, capitalist. Just capitalist yes. tweeted. I think did I can't remember if this is the actual quote. I think so. I don't know how anybody continues to be a fan of any NA teams outside of EG. Fan of players for sure, but the way NA teams constantly reshuffle, like how am I supposed to put my faith in you guys when you clearly don't even believe in each other? And mm -hmm. PPD's response to this, uh, there's a huge amount of response, by the way. This is just one I picked out. A uh, pretty yeah. long uh, Reddit comment, uh, which I'm going to horribly uh, summarize here. Uh, <laughs> okay. Essentially, PPD is saying that NA's problems stem from uh, the attributed, or he attributed a lot of the uh, the promise of the lack of PC land cafe culture in the U.S., which is interesting. Uh, console mm -hmm. popularity being a lot bigger here. And, of course, we kind of Absolutely. touched on this earlier, the lack of sponsors, which is, I think, yeah. the by far the biggest. I what are your thoughts on that. this subject? Yeah, so I think this is... I can really relate to the situation because I think what people forget when they look at this stuff is, again, what's the return on investment for players? Like, NA got targeted here because in the last let's say the last few months, there's been a lot of shuffling among these teams that aren't sponsored, right? And obviously the one that stands out is the one with Envy, uh, Mike, and Brax replacing two players in their team recently. But again, what incentive do these players, how to say, there's so much less in incentive to really work things out and to try hard to grow as a team when you have no... There's no financial backbone. You don't have any sponsorships. You play these DPC events where there's qualifiers. If you bomb out of one qualifier, you feel like you just wasted two months because that's what you need to wait for the next tournament you can play in, probably. There's nothing else that's appealing. Um, and the reason I can relate to this is that I think, you know, NA was focused on a lot this time. If you look at the CIS scene, the reason people don't talk about it so much is that they're a bit less connected with the CIS scene. The CIS scene shuffles are insane. They're like three times as big as the NA ones. Right. Every team is shuffling every month, almost. You know, except every EP. team is shuffled, and that should be a song <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Pretty much, every team except the sponsored ones. What a coincidence! Are shuffling a lot. Navi haven't been shuffling very much, if at all. VP have been stable for a long time, and of course, what's the what's the factor that they share? Well, they have a stable salary. They have an organization that has structure behind it, and of course, in VP's case, they have massive success, which trumps everything. Like if you're successful, that will make you able to see through a lot of things. 
um, or, or sort out problems because it feels like it's worth it. But if you're one of these up-and-coming teams, you put these teams together, you play these qualifiers, you didn't make it, are you going to grind it out for another two months or are you going to look for the grass is greener on the other side kind of thing? Uh, and it happens in Europe too. The tier two scene in Europe is also very volatile. I can say it from my own teams. Like I'm, I'm generally trying, you know, with my teams to try to keep people together and keep them motivated. But if it doesn't go well in one or two instances, like you have no contracts with each other, you don't owe each other anything technically. So if somebody gets an opportunity somewhere else that seems better, you just jump on it because there's no yeah. repercussions, right? Yep. Um, and I, I just think it's really unhealthy. And again, to me, it comes back to the structure. Um, so yeah, you can talk about NA, and I think NA is a bit extreme just because, on top of everything else that the shares that the scenes like share with, uh, financial aspect or whatever. On top of all of that, I think the NA talent pool is also smaller. Uh, yep. So there's a lot less NA players. Period. That's yes. It's always been there the are case. just less good players that you can pick and choose from. So... And that's because Dota is just less popular in. In yeah, NA. and then when people shuffle, I think that's why the shuffles look so weird too. Is that people that used to hate each other are playing together again, and then they leave each other, and then they play together again because they have to find good enough players, and then yeah. it's kind of a recipe for disaster, right? Like Envy and Gunner, for example, they play together in a team. Envy kick Gunner. Fast forward one <laughs> month, they play together in a team again. Envy <laughs> kicks Gunner again. Like, I, I mean, clearly you needed this player to be in your team, but it also means if anything goes wrong, if there's some sort of conflict, you already have the seeds for a problem in yep. place. So. Yeah, having I mean, it's, it's like a huge domino effect, though, right? Because yeah, talk is. about the sponsors not having stable organization. Like EG is the no offense to anybody else. EG is like the one stable organization for however long now. Uh, mm -hmm. Less players and all that snowballs into just having less patience to create a team. And there's there's more, not just less patience, but it's a combination of less patience and more pressure to be able to be mm -hmm. that second team that qual. It's everything's up for grabs. It's because there's right? nothing. There is nothing for not qualifying. That's the problem. Mm. I think the biggest root of the problem is how few people get to play and profit off this game. Yeah. You can compare it to let's say the, the classic thing that a lot of people like to bring up when you have this conversation is, yeah, but you know, if you compare it to football and you look at second division players, they also have a, they also have like a job next to it. They they play largely for for pleasure and for fun, but like this analogy only goes so far because there is a really clear difference between nothing and something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Like the people that play second division football, first of all, probably don't put as much time and effort into it as Dota players do. You don't have to justify and be like, well, that's your choice. You could just not do it. Right. And yeah, you could, but we actually do a lot for the game. The tier two scene does stuff for the game. It creates content. It creates storylines. Uh, it keeps people interested. It, you know, all this these kind of things that it does, but they are rewarded zero. That is the biggest problem. And if I don't think the comparison of saying tier two Dota players compared to a division two football team is accurate either, because of the amount of relative players there are. Right, uh, being a tier two Dota player, you are still like, how do you say? Oh, this is hard to hard to explain, probably, but. The difference between a tier two and a Dota, tier one Dota player in terms of raw skill and what they can pull off is, I would argue, smaller than the difference between a tier two footballer and a tier one footballer. So if you're in that position as a tier two player, the jump seems doable. You know what I mean? I was going like to say the difference within... between a tier two player and a tier one player is about a million dollars. <laughs> well, that's another thing. 
but it, it seems it seems doable. You know, if you're a tier two football player and you're in your 30s or whatever, you're not aiming to hell yeah, I'm gonna play for Manchester United someday. Like, it didn't happen, okay? But if you're a tier two Dota player, uh, where most of the players are in this range of let's say they're between 18 and 25, maybe some of them are upward of 30. Um, the difference between you and the top players is not that big. So mm. the incentive to keep trying is that you feel like it's doable. Right. And then if you fail, you try again because you hear the stories and you see other people, right? Great example. Uh, Mad from OG didn't play for two years. He coached a good team instead. Suddenly he's playing a TI, suddenly fucking wins TI. If that isn't motivating, then what is? You know, like mm -hmm. you see these players that the community had written off. They were like, fucking Mad's never going to come back. He's a tier two player at best. Uh, he's been coaching these great players. He cannot fill the shoes of these other players. Well, guess what? He could. And there are lots of other examples of players going in and out of success. Like IX Mike, everybody wrote him off. Like, he's terrible. He's done. He cannot ever qualify. Suddenly, he's playing a major mm -hmm. for, from the NA region. So, you know, there are these success stories that keep people going. And that's what they're striving for. I just don't think it's healthy that it's this all or nothing thing uh, mentality, kind of. Like, either you make this major or this minor, or you just you just wasted you know you just wasted time it feels like and that's just sad yeah no i, I really think there better. is somewhere in between this like again referring to cs there are teams that don't make every major or every minor but that can still go around because their brand has a has power there's the players have value there's other tournaments that they can play okay you didn't make the major this time well guess what there are three iems you can play in the next two or three months there are mm. Uh, or ESL tournaments or other lands that you can qualify for uh, where they invite the top teams and then you play qualifiers. But in Dota, you're playing against the best of the best every qualifier. So what are your chances? They're pretty low mm. of making... Like, who has made a major from Europe this year? Apart from Secret, Liquid, and... Uh, Alliance made one or two in the start, I think. And apart from that, it's been like the top dogs every time. Secret, Liquid, NIP, OG. OG only made one now. They've been in a bad slump. Um, but like, you know, the top of the field, <clears throat> three out of four teams that qualify, or two out of three teams that qualify has been the same every time. Like, it's more or less given. So there isn't much space to grow. Uh, I know this is a pretty kind of, I, I don't want to call it a rant, but this is something that I obviously Close. think and care a lot about. Well, of course. No, yeah, it makes sense. It's very important to me. And I'm just hoping, I am hoping that there is a solution somewhere down the line. But the reason I'm not just posting a suggestion or a solution is that I don't have it. Because I don't know the finances and the structure of organizations and what makes it profitable enough. Like we need, ideally we would want the orgs to step in and say, this is what we need from Dota to make it a game that we want to invest in. The what problem, if they were hurt? What if you problem, actually heard the orgs out? The problem is the players have always had 100% of the control in the conversation yes. for the competitive scene. 100 So the and way I don't it used think to be... Good. Of course it's not. Good. It's never good if one entity have 100% of the control because beginning TI1 or pre-TI, it was the orgs having all the power. Players had none. That's how it was for esports in general for like 15 mm -hmm. years. That's when I was a, technically a pro playing Counter-Strike. It was the same thing. Dota 2 comes out, suddenly completely flip-flops. And of course you have this mentality early on, especially the players. I can understand this perfectly. They've gotten screwed over by organizations time and time again. So they probably are still in this, like these older players still have this mentality that organizations are evil and mm -hmm. that players should have all the control. I understand why they think that, but they're incorrect. 
it should be yes. more evenly distributed. And we're seeing kind of the effects years down the road uh, okay. now. So you have been, uh, you have managed an organization. If you were to get into Dota right now, let's let's put you in the shoes of, uh, what should we say? Let's say you're from Envious, okay? Just a CS org that, or what's another, what's a good CS org? Let's say you're Astralis, okay? Let's make it a, a big a big name okay. right now, a hot yeah. name. What do you think you would pitch in order to get into Dota? What would you want? If you're like, well, we thought about getting into Dota, but it wasn't very profitable because, and so this I'm, is what we need. I'm in charge of Astralis in this scenario. Yes. You're in charge well, of Astralis, and, well, not only that, but you have, like, you have... You have a direct line to Gaben, and wow. you can now say, "Okay, we want to get into Dota. So we we're really assuming want to. we, we have want money." Okay, but... so number one, that would not be a good business <laughs> business decision. <laughs> Dota would not even be on my top ten list of games to get in. Okay, top ten's a stretch. Top no, five, it would not be on. Then there. you're missing the point. Like no, no, you I, can I, make I, it. Yeah. You can make it number one now. But right. what does it take? Well. I think more communication from Valve about the DPC system and changes that they're going to make to make it a little bit more organization-friendly. Um, even though it doesn't directly affect me as a team organizer, uh, but because of my experience, I know that uh, these tournaments are not profitable. So I'd want that to change because that does affect the players and the teams in the long run. I think just having a healthy ecosystem for the entire year is very important. That would be the number one thing. In terms of big-picture stuff to change... I don't know, actually. I mean, Astralis is EU, right? So we're not talking yeah. about the lack of sponsors necessarily uh, that you have that you find in NA. So EU should have better uh, reach in terms of getting sponsors. I mean, we could Although, also take another org. We could take G two, if you want. Like that's EU. If that as changes well, though, anything, right? Okay. Well, if you want an NA org that's not in Dota, no, no, no that's fine. I'm. I. It, it was more. I'm just. Oh, it's just to give an example. Like it doesn't really I, matter who it is. I don't have a, an answer that comes to me right away, other than the communication and the changes to make it a little bit more even ecosystem all around. Um, do you think, uh, do you think the way DPC events are run in terms of sponsorships that tournaments can take is too strict? Like for example, I believe no DPC events can have a title sponsor. I think that's one of the limitations. You cannot call your uh, major. You cannot call it, right. you know, the dream league major is called the dream league major. They can't call it the Corsair major, right. which the sponsor, fucking love that stuff right like their oh, name yeah. is literally they the name pay, of the tournament that has value a shit ton. yeah yes that is value for them it's crazy value but they're not allowed to mm -hmm. so that definitely stifles the amount of money that can come in right do you think oh, that's yeah. too strict do you think that would make a big difference if if valve just said you know what guys we're gonna fund half the prize pool you guys do all the organizing of these dpc events we can approve or uh not approve of your tournament for whatever reason but if you are selected you can choose your sponsors as long as X. Like, what do you think the limitation should be? What should not be allowed, in your opinion? Like, oh boy! Is there any limitation to betting sponsors? Do you? That's, think that's what I was going to bring up. I just like, in my personal experience, I'm biased though because mm -hmm. I've kind of been I've been a tournament organizer. I know the personality side of things. I know the team side of things. I kind of know like the full 360, other than the Valve entity, I suppose. I. I think there should be betting. So I, I think the problem with Dota right now is that sponsors are hard to find. But guess what? Sponsor is not hard to find, even in NA, is betting. If we had yeah. betting sponsor for Captain's Draft, I actually would have not lost 100K or whatever the hell I lost. Like, mm -hmm. I would have so made my money back. Sponsors were not allowed least. at all for any DPC event, correct? 
Right. Which I, I mean, I can understand why that is. Like, it's not like I don't, that falls on deaf ears or whatever. I understand why they did it. But the mm-hmm. problem is tournaments are not profitable. So yeah, you can maybe like have a slow transition where you allow more sponsors and the title sponsor like you're talking about. That definitely helps. I don't think that really flips it on its head. It doesn't do a, you know, a 180. Uh, because like a title sponsor is depending on obviously the tournament size, fifty mm-hmm. to hundred k at, like that's stretching it probably to get a title sponsor. Like it's just major, one for a major. Say like, well, the, let's say they already have a sponsorship. They're giving like hundred or hundred fifty k to add mm-hmm. the title sponsor on top. Hundred k is okay. probably like the additional okay. additional money you'll mm-hmm. get. So I don't know if that makes or breaks tournaments by any means. It definitely helps. But if we're talking well, about let's betting, say it's not a DPC tournament, right? In right. non-DPC I mean, that's why tournaments, we see, they are allowed, right? Exactly. That's why we're seeing ESL do only non-DPC tournaments because those are actually profitable. Like there's, yeah, they're not. But they it's can't not like do enough denied. of them to get uh, orgs invested into Dota because the right. DPC trumps everything. Yes, more exactly. or less. Like there's very few non-DPC tournaments throughout the year that yeah. are at a big enough magnitude to get rec- recognition for sponsors to get a return on investment on having teams. Yeah, no, that's true. That's what you think. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. We should gotcha. move on. Sure. That was a good. I think this is good talk, though. Honestly, this is one of the most important things to talk about in Dota right now, though, because I think that is the future of the game. Like com- the competitive scene, I think something needs to change, and we obviously have a voice, and we can, you know, at least yeah. inspire or think about it ourselves, and maybe make a difference. Cause and here, here's the thing: like we talked really about, how Valve is not Valve is not dumb, community is not dumb. P- Many people in the community have been seeing this coming for a long time. And I know mm-hmm. Valve probably knows that at some point it's going to get to a point of no return, if you will. The question is, what is that point? Right? When yeah. the community, it's more about, I think, the community uh, kind of vocalizing. Because there's been rumblings here and there. And yeah, people have brought it up time and time again. But it's not really, it's not preventing players from playing in tournaments. Like, or at least not to a high degree, a high enough degree for the community to be outraged or anything like that, right? It's just, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, at what point does it become something you can't ignore anymore? You know. Okay, actually, I have I have one more thing I just want to add quickly and he- sure. get your opinion on. CS:GO just flat out has higher viewership than Dota. Yeah. Because it's easier to watch, it's easier to understand for casual players, and it's something you can very quickly introduce and explain to other people so they can enjoy it with you. How big a part do you think that plays in the number of orgs and sponsors that are invested into the game? Huge. Do you think that's because how big? Let's say a Dota major, right? The finals of a Dota, ma- Dota major. How many viewers does that pull on the on the international stream? Let's say hundred to two hundred k, right? Is that is that fair? Sure. Yeah. Something. I think right. CS:GO pulls half a million on their major finals. The they've, way I remember hit, it, I've seen half they've hit a million before, but that was when they had uh, like the betting bot crate thingies. True. Yeah. So, but like. Okay, let's say after that, the, I think the last major, maybe it had more than half a million. Maybe it was 600K or something. It's a lot. I, I don't remember exactly, it's, but it's yeah. much higher. Dota has those numbers at TI, mm. but only at TI. Um, so do you think if Dota, if TI was still the biggest tournament of the year, still a massive event and huge, and you took, let's just say everything else was the same, but you just took the prize money and spread it throughout tournaments throughout the year, do you think that would increase the viewership by a similar amount? Like, we're, I'm not saying we're going to get CSGO's numbers, because we're not, but if TI had these 600,000 viewers or whatever concurrent, and you took half the prize pool of that, and you spread it out throughout the majors, how much do you think that drives viewership? If a tournament's $3 million instead of one, do you think it makes a difference? 
you think it makes, it makes a difference if it's 100k instead of 250 or like where do you put the money to get more viewers on events so that sponsors are more interested like they are in csgo because their events have right. big viewership i mean the the money is it just the game is it not about the money is it just because the game is easier to watch what do you i think? would say 90 percent of it is the game is easier to watch 10 okay. can you do anything about that in dota i mean we talked can you about make the... it easier to watch at this point no i don't think so you can educate people a little bit better on what the game is like the mechanics Valve of the obviously game tried it at ti right with the newbie stream yeah and i thought i mean i don't want to get into this but i thought that the one i was doing was mm -hmm. kind of like the first time they're trying it and it was a success in terms of you know the feedback and whatnot but yeah. i don't I think they could have taken that to the next level because the next year I feel like it was almost an afterthought. They just like, all right, we might as well just do this again. You can mm. actually make that a whole production. Like that was the only tea I was invited to. I wasn't even on camera the entire time. Like it was literally yeah. just we were casting in a dark room <laughs> in the yeah. the far corner of the arena. You could, couldn't even see like mm -hmm. almost anything out the window. I, I feel but like that could definitely be taken to the next level. Do, do you think you could draw a lot more viewers in with that beginner stream instead of the big one? I mean, that's the question, right? Um, yeah. You could... It depends on what you mean by a lot. If we're talking CS numbers in terms of both streams together, absolutely not. There's, Dota's never catching CS and viewership. It's mm -hmm. not happening. It's just the structure of the game. So so do you think... Okay, now like, let's, let's try to finish. Do you think there's any... Um, how to say... All of the stuff we talked about before with how the money is being distributed, how there's not that many sponsors involved in everything... Do you think that we can, like, are we just at the limitation of how hard the game is to get into in that aspect? And we just rely 100% on the community to fund the game because they are the ones that understand. So they are the ones that can invest into the game because they have, they're able to watch it. They're able to enjoy it. Whereas <clears throat> sponsors will not be able to, you know, um, how to say put as much money into it because they don't see the same return on investment as they do in other games. Like we're kind of back to where we started in a way in that sense. Like is, is it just unrealistic what you and I are imagining that we can get new sponsors in and, and orgs again? Is it just the game that is like this and we need the community to fund us? It's not black and white, you... but no, I, I understand what you're saying. And that it's a huge limitation for sure. Mm -hmm. That's all I'll say. I don't, we're not going to turn this around. It's not going to be the big, it's not going to be bigger than league ever. This literally will never happen, right? Uh, unless Riot is actually shut down for all the all the <laughs> all the crap that's going on at that company. That's a different story. Um, so, in conclusion, we think the absolute best solution that can be done right now, or at least in the coming year, is to spread prize money across the year. <clears throat> that's the best solution we see right now, and then yeah, the community still so. funds it, and they get a return on investment through Battle Pass, giving them rewards or encouraging them to log in and play which is also something like it is know, the, it definitely i is. think the, i think the, that's a year-round thing absolutely yeah if the battle pass was a whole year thing instead of just a ti but does it diminish its value they, then Do people they did that before the though that's the yeah, thing yeah they did. they did that before and obviously they don't want to do it again yeah for whatever reason so they have the data we don't so all right let's move on yeah. speaking of the battle pass uh <clears throat> it's coming out today uh yep. by the time you guys watch or listen this might already be out um we won't talk too much about this, but because I'll be making a video and posting it. But are you expecting anything? Is there anything crazy that you want to predict? Perhaps. Honestly, I think one of the really interesting, th 
one of the interesting things about the battle pass is that there's always something new and you have no idea what it is. <laughs> they haven't teased anything. They haven't said anything about what's going to be implemented. But one thing I will almost guarantee is that there will be one or two completely new things that they haven't done before. Because they do that every year, right? Like mm -hmm. the core gets recycled or, you know, improved or whatever. Uh, but there's always something new. We've had like Siltbreaker. We've had, what was it, Underhollow? Was that one of the TI Battle Pass things? I think it was, right? Yep. Um, and there's been like other implementations of like mini games or uh, other things in the in the compendium, uh, right. double down for ranked, all these kind of things. Uh, I mean, at some point, you would imagine you run out of ideas, but if you in, like if they invest time and effort and resources into it, the game is so deep. Again, like when you have this complex of a game, you can do so much, right? Right. You can do so many things. So, uh, like largely, I'm expecting similar to last year. And then what I'm really interested in is what is the new stuff. So I like the old stuff too. I just hope we get something new. Remember, I had a prediction last or is it episode one about. Well, we'll get into this in a second. Um, well, yeah, that was one of them. But mm -hmm. <clears throat> I was also thinking about this battle pass, and you're right, mm -hmm. the Under Hollow, whatever it was called, it's literally just like a, a game. Yeah. So I think one of two things will happen potentially. Number one is less likely and probably less impactful. So is the first thing that popped in my head is something VR related. Mm -hmm. Would be kind of cool if it was integrated you mean in the this, game. Is... This battle pass, yeah, especially considering okay. you have, uh, which we'll talk about in the next segment real quick, is Valve Index, which obviously is not out yet, but uh, mm -hmm. you could potentially start getting people a little bit more interested in that as a result of some VR in game. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. The other thing, which we talked about episode one, I believe, Valve Auto Chess just coming out with their own fucking version. Fuck the mod. Those guys sold out to the Chinese. <laughs> Just come out with your own auto. You don't have to do the item system. You can actually make it a better game. <laughs> like, how awesome. Yeah. The question is, though, and this is the thing that was in my head, would the community be mad about that? That's the thing I, wouldn't, I, I can't predict. Would they be mad if they just came out with their own auto chess? What do you think? <laughs> that's a really good question honestly i don't know i mean it's all it's always hard when you say what will the community think like it's not one entity right but right. what the when we say will the community be mad are we talking about what the majority reception will be on reddit or what the i mean reddit is the be? community right that's, that's it's a representation of part of the community hmm. but it's the best one we have because it's very vocal very active and there's a lot of people in there but it's very clear that Reddit definitely scales toward the more invested people uh, in the game than the others. Like, the more invested, the more time you put into it, the more effort, the more you care about the game, the more likely you are to go on a forum that discusses it. It's the same with a show or whatever. Like, if you're a big fan of Game of Thrones, there's a good chance you will be active in a subreddit or a fan forum or whatever. If you just watch and you're like, okay, this is a good show, I'm going to go back and do whatever, <laughs> you're not mm -hmm. going to do it. So it is skewed. The thing that Reddit I... is clearly above average in terms of investment for oh, people. Yeah. But so the thing, I, I will was, the casual first, uh, players that don't really watch that care? Maybe not. Will well, that, that's the thing care? I was going to bring up. Story. Like the, the thing about auto chess, it the first thing I thought of was actually the Dota players wouldn't really, you know, they wouldn't probably have a very positive reaction to an auto chess by Valve just because they wouldn't care. It would be like neutral at best, yeah. especially if it's combined mm -hmm. with the battle pass. But I was thinking more... The people that actually like Dota Auto Chess, which I'm, you know, I still like it, even though I'm frustrated yeah. about a few of the mechanics. A lot of people are from outside of Dota. 
they wouldn't be buying yeah. the Battle Pass anyway. So it makes even more sense to do it. And the reason I brought this up on the original episode, if you guys didn't watch that one, the reason that I have this crazy theory is because we talked about how Drodo Studios, obviously they sold out to the Chinese developer. They, they have a mobile version. Yeah. And we were wondering, why didn't Valve get involved? Right? Like, there's, there's no way they don't want to get involved. Yeah. But now that they sold crazy. out, maybe they opened the door to just do their own shit. Like, why not? It's, I'd be fully into it, probably. It's crazy to think that at one point, I think about one-third of the players in the game were playing auto chess. I think it's it was insane. something like that. It's insane. Or maybe it was even close to half or something like that. There were so many people playing that game when it was on the wave up. There is no way Valve did not look at that as a huge opportunity. So if since it didn't happen, either the bid from China was extreme compared to Valve. Like, obviously, if you're Drodo Studios, you want to make money, right? You came up with a cool idea. Right. It's clearly very profitable. There is so much money in China in these mobile games. And maybe Valve didn't think it was worth it. That's one option. Or like you said, the other one is, well, Valve were like, okay, how much will this cost us? Drodo Studios set a price. And Valve didn't say this isn't worth it. They just said, okay, this is, we will make our own version. This is our game and our implementation of it. We will make our own for, for a battle pass or something. Um, because there is no way they look at those numbers and feel like they shouldn't care. I mean, it's one thing if you make a custom game that has 10,000 people playing it, right? Like, that's nice. But this was fucking 300,000 people on at once playing Auto Chess. It was yeah. insane. Absurd. It was literally a successful title <laughs> on its own. Like, if that game was released for $10, <laughs> yeah, the people who made shit. it would have been super happy with the price. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Made. No doubt. So, um, so Yeah. I think I the other thing, I, the I'm other with crazy... You. I'm with you. There is no way, there's actually just no way that this game didn't have an influence. That There must be something that Valve were doing with it. And either, again, either the Chinese outbid them or Valve are doing something based on this auto chess because they could yeah. clearly see that the demand was there. So I, Yeah, the only thing I was questioning is whether people would be mad that they're making a game that's already a game. But then I thought about the whole, you're sold out to the Chinese anyway. I don't think the... And at least the Western audience probably would not care, honestly. But the other scenario that could be true, which I am mm -hmm. even more hopeful for, artifact expansion in the Battle Pass. Woo! No, it's not happening. That sounds... I'm going to give that one a unlikely stamp from here. I could not tell you how happy <laughs> I would be if somehow that was true. I, I'm 99% sure that's not going to happen. I know. But, but I'm really curious what they're going to do with Artifact, though. I'm actually curious. Like, right, how do you bring that game back? But we talked about that last episode. Yes, I'm still curious. We, about we can uh, have a new segment called What Happened to Artifact, and we just talk about it literally every episode. All right, <laughs> so the last uh, real segment before we get to maybe a couple community questions, depending on what time we're at. Actually, we're getting close. Uh, I want to quickly talk about the Valve Index. It was obviously announced mm -hmm. a month ago, I want to say, and the details finally came out the other day. Uh... So Valve obviously was a big part in coming out with the HTC Vive. This is their own hardware, though. They've, they're coming out with their own thing. It yeah. is $1,000. The headset's 500 The controller's 280 Two base stations, 150 Ships, if you pre-order now, August 31st, the last time I checked. System requirements, a GTX 970. Seems like quite a bit. Okay. And the reason yeah, for that that's pretty is, is it has dual LCDs which are 1440 by 1600 in res. That's two of those. And the Hertz Wait, are rate... They part of, are they part of the base stations? No, that's in the... What do you mean? The LCDs are oh, in the... Oh, it's part of the VR kit. So yeah, when it says VR, VR kit, the, the monitors are included. 
Yeah, when I say monitor, it's literally a thing you're looking into in the well, goggles. I know what a monitor just, is. Just but so you can you imagine know. you could buy a VR kit where you use your own monitors, but this comes uh, with two screens. It's not you need these two screens for it to work. Right? Well, I didn't realize They're you included. were such a noob at VR. I thought I was a noob at VR. Good Lord. Oh, man, I've okay. done very little. My VR experience has literally been trying it twice at Valve or something. Okay. That's all I've done with it. So, so very little knowledge. The Apparently the normal hurts for, um, like the, I think, the HTC Vive and pretty much every other... VR is 90, which was surprising to me because I figured people mm. would get motion sick. This one is it goes up to 144 hertz. So some of the reviews okay. that were done, they're like basically said that this is the pretty much the highest quality VR thing you, or VR set you can get. And the only problem was it is one thousand dollars. Would you buy this? Obviously, you need to maybe see some more, but um. would you think about buying that? With my knowledge, again, which is limited, but what I've heard and what I've seen from VR right now, uh, I think it's something I would want to buy if the games are good enough. Like, to me, it's not the technology itself. It is, will this be entertaining to me in something I cannot get in PC games? Like, because mm -hmm. the technology is amazing. And the, the stuff that I tried at their, at Valve was super impressive. And really, you know, it, it was something you could feel that it, this was something else. But then when I see the games that are available and implemented right now, they just... They leave a lot to be desired because obviously the things you try are like cool demos, but you need to make a full gameplay experience of that. And mm -hmm. if their demos are like two minutes and it took them months to make, there's a big <clears> step <throat> to having a fully fledged out game that you can play for 10, 20, 30, 40 hours uh, and have a cool experience the whole way through, like an RPG or whatever you could make in theory. I think the theory of this technology is amazing and I think it will be the next thing in gaming. I just don't know if... Um, like time is a constraint on this as it is with everything else all technologies like flat screens i think were were largely functional and made were in the awful. 80s they were awful but it takes some time before it becomes you know mass produced available to the general public blah 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 yeah um and i look at something like this and like $1000 first of all it's pretty expensive for a lot of people if you oh. live in a rich western country it's something you can you know you can invest into it's kind of the same as buying half a computer for me um but again, what are the games? That's what I want to see. Like, do I feel like this is worth so buying half the, a computer for? That's the question. So I, I was before this was the the price was announced. I was like, I'm definitely gonna buy this because it just, like we, you and I both, I think tried at the same time. The HTC Vive beat like a six months or a year before it was actually released at Valve headquarters, yeah. and I was blown away how cool it was. But at the same it time, in the back cool. of my head, with any new technology, especially since that was their first foray into the this general market. I almost never go for first generation because there's always something, right? So I'm like, second generation, I think I'll go for it. Then I saw it was $1,000, and I'm like, wow, I was not expecting it to be that much. Uh, but you're right. It just comes down to what the games are, and this is the interesting thing. So obviously you have some of the cool games. I'm forgetting some of the names, but um, like Beat Saber is a very popular one. There's there's a few games that are actually yeah, pretty yeah, popular that, that game. are really that game nice. Looks, that game yeah. looks really fun. It That's really my kind of game. So I... I think there was an announcement. I, th I forget what site I was reading it. This was before they even announced everything, but that there would be three flagship games by Valve coming out with this system. They just haven't been announced yet. And I was thinking, and one of the demos, by the way, was in Portal, the Portal universe. So at mm -hmm. first I was thinking they could do a Portal VR, but at the same time, that is probably quite, uh, what's the word? Um, it's not that it would be difficult to... It would make you queasy. I think it would make a lot of people queasy, right? You're just You'd get switching sick planes. From plane. uh, 
it would be what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like, what do you mean? Does queasy mean you get like dizzy or sick or something? Yeah. Or does it mean yeah? Something? Yeah. I definitely think. I think that's a limitation like, of the technology. I definitely think that's a problem that you need to figure out. What if you can get you can get motion sick from the shit really easily? <laughs> so this is that's the thing. That's the one thing I mentioned about the hertz though, uh, and the reason the system requirements are so high because of the hertz because you need to match that FPS. People yeah. don't get as queasy or at all even on this one because it's 144 hertz versus 90. This is the only one right now. Wait, uh, so having higher frame rate makes you less motion sick? Yes. Why? It because it's smoother. Now, if people like if somebody gets queasy going on a roller coaster, obviously the motion yeah. has a lot to do with it, but if you're just going to get motion sick looking somewhere, then it's you're going to get motion sick, right? Mm -hmm. 144 hertz it it, it's closer to what you are seeing in real life to where you can't distinguish. Um, I'm not going to get technical because I don't know the technical, the technical aspect. No, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm just not, maybe I'm just being stupid here. I'm just not sure that that's true. Like the higher oh, frame rate it is that the less motion sick you would get. You have screens literally in your eye, like right here. You think if you mm -hmm. have 90 FPS versus 144, like 90 is probably fine, but 144 makes sure that it is super smooth if you can hit that FPS. But anyway, that's not the important aspect. We shouldn't get hung up okay. on this. All right. The whatever. thing that I want to make a bold prediction, Cinderin. Okay, go. What flag? Okay, look at it from Val's perspective here. Okay, this is bold yeah. prediction number two of the episode. Okay. This, they've been working on this for quite a while. Yeah. Valve Index. This is their first major hardware release ever. Steam yeah. controller was a hardware release. The HTC Vive was the uh, was HTC's hardware, I believe. Mm -hmm. What game do you think people would want to buy, no matter what? Like, if you want to make sure that your first real hardware that you've spent this much time on is successful, mm -hmm. what game? So out of games that Valve already owns. Yes, and this is obvious. This is my bold prediction. Okay. What game will they release? Are you actually well, are you me, serious? Give me, your, give me your prediction. Well, you're supposed to guess, and it should be obvious. You said it's a bold. You said it's a bold prediction. Then it should be easy to. Then it's not easy to guess. But it's it's if a it's bold so prediction obvious, because then... there's Half Life Three. Like, what do you mean? Half Life <laughs> a prediction is something three. that's unlikely. That yeah. is unlikely. Okay. What do you mean? How? That's the most unlikely thing in Valve's... Oh, then what are you talking so about? I, okay, I think we disagree on what a bold prediction is. If you make a bold <sighs> prediction, it's something that is unlikely to happen, but you just said it's the most yes. obvious. Then you mean it's likely. It's the most obvious bold prediction. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> that's what you meant. <laughs> ah, all right, you ruined okay. the whole segment. All right. Right. So do you think we that's possible? Okay, rewind. Do the segment again. <laughs> Half-Life 3. What's your reaction? Yes. I've never played the games. All right, we're moving on. This discussion's <laughs> over. Holy shit. Actually, I did play like 10 minutes of Half-Life. Right? Oh, my God, dude. This is what got me into PC gaming. I was playing Quake 2 a little casually. Then Half-Life came out. It looked kind of meh when I was looking at the box in the store. Because back then, ladies and gentlemen, you had to go to fucking stores to buy games. Steam wasn't even released yet. It looked kind of meh. but my into PC games? You played My CS. friend made me. Oh, my God. I am about to have an aneurysm. Let me just tell you why you're so wrong about this. I know I, I know CS is a Half-Life mod. 
it's a half-life don't All okay right. relax so i bought half-life because my friend made me and i fell in love that is where i was a beast i was 14 years old or however old but i that was that was your first computer game was half-life no really? it's the first one you i got, it's super got into. into pc gaming oh okay. yeah god you are you're a terrible did, listener i feel bad for your girlfriend right now did you, you know not what? did you not play diablo for example like when did these uh, games come out relative to each other? Shit, I don't even remember. Actually, that's Half-Life true. Half-Life was. I didn't play the. I played Brood War. When did Brood War come ha- out? So Brood Half-Life War was ninety eight. Came out I in nineteen ninety eight. November yeah. ninety eight was Half Life release. And I think Starcraft, Starcraft was the same ish. I want to. Starcraft say. was March nineteen ninety eight. So it's half a year earlier. Okay, I didn't. I didn't play the original Star. I played Brood War when the expansion came out. So that was later. Diablo came out in ninety six. Uh, the day before New Year. All right, this conversation's over. You've disappointed me on a level I can't Wait, even explain. No, but okay, but, listen. The thing that's surprising to me is that you're older than me, okay? You're older yeah. than me, and I always had this impression that you've played computer games your whole life, but your entry like into actually playing computer games a lot was a game that came out later than when I started. That's why I'm surprised. Oh, okay. Because the first yeah. PC games I really fell in love with were Diablo and Civilization Two and Command & Conquer, and they're all from, I think, so, 96. So that just surprised me. I thought maybe you'd played those games. At I was a before. big, I was a big uh, console gamer as a kid, okay. huge console gamer, like regular Nintendo, Super Nintendo, all that yeah, stuff. Gotcha. And we didn't have a computer. We literally didn't have. Like I would go to my friend's house. We played Red Alert, like you said, Civilization. Yep. I didn't have mm-hmm. a computer to play those games on. Gotcha. We got a okay. computer basically the same time Quake Two was ending. It's it's rain, if you will, ninety eight. Oh, That's that? when I started playing Quake Two quite a bit. Then my first FPS reel. Like I played fucking Wolfenstein back in the day, but that game was garbage. You know, I never liked it. Doom as well. But, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, let's let's move I mean, on. Uh, sure. Yeah. Why are you so disappointed? I don't understand. I don't know. What are you so disappointed in? All right, so let's uh let's finish up with this segment here. I, I wanna do this <laughs> What? Excuse me? <laughs> I'm like, why are you disappointed? And then you sound disappointed that I asked. <laughs> I'm just disappointed in everything. Uh, okay. Uh, so this That's last fine. segment we're going to end on, I want to do this every now and then. I don't have a name for it. So if you guys have any suggestions, let us know. Basically, I'm going to ask you a question, and you're going to ask me, because it's going to be the same question, and we rate ourselves on a scale of 1 to 10, and then okay. the opposing person writes down their number for that person, all right, my explanation is terrible. Let's just do this and you'll yeah, see. Yeah, I was like, if what's you're, happening? I'm if gonna... you're listening okay. on audio, don't worry. The The reason we're writing it down is just to make sure nobody is cheating, right? They feel bad or anything like that. So okay. I want you to get Explain out a piece again, of paper. Please. I want you I pe- <clears throat> to rate from 1 to 10 what you yeah. think my ego is. Your ego. So we're right. rating the other person. Right. And I'm rating your ego. Okay. So let me just gotcha. explain real quick. Obviously, 1 means you have zero ego. 10 means you're mm-hmm. egomaniac. I want to compare okay. it to the peers in your profession. So not like an average person. I want you to tell me how egotistical you are versus... You are. Or me. Yes, me. Yes. For people in my general like profession, my within peers. E- within... Okay, yeah. Gotcha. And for me, it's basically like players for you, right? So one yeah. to ten, okay? Okay. Five is obviously average, ten egomaniac. <clears throat> My handwriting is terrible. I will redo this. You're writing a number. I know. It's you'll see how bad <laughs> my handwriting. I'm actually I'm actually embarrassed. I'm are redoing. You, are you struggling to write a number so I can read it or what? All right, there we go. 
So again, if you're listening on audio, it's not a big deal. So are you done? Uh, yes. All right, let's do you first. So I want so, you am to I tell me. It? Not yet. No, this, this. Okay. Hold on. Gotcha. Okay. Hold on. Just okay. chill. Okay. All right. All, All right. right. I want Listen. you to tell me what you think your ego level is. One to ten. Okay. What I think or what I think you thought? No. What you think you are. Okay. Give me a Very second. This is actually pretty hard <laughs> when you need to think about the whole scene and stuff. Yes. <laughs> five. You think you... You're so fucking stupid. You think you're a five. Yeah. You think you're an average ego in a professional among scene. Com among competitive Dota players. Okay. You want me to show you what I thought you were? You probably wrote one or two. Two. Okay. You're an idiot if you think you're a five. Holy shit. Now I'm scared what you put for me. Um, nah, because what I was thinking was uh, maybe five is too high. Actually, yeah, on second thought, I would say four. I would say, I would say four, I think. You're I a would three. Not say two. At most, you're a three. At most. There's no way. Have you met these players that you're talking about? Come on, dude. They're like all nines yeah, and have. eights and tens. Jesus. Well, they can't all be nine, eights, and tens. Then They're five all is up. really low. Then five is super low. <laughs> Like, all right, what are you talking about? Just shut your mouth. All right, that was okay. I have a different. Okay, I actually, before I give you my number, I have a question for you. <laughs> so, if I'm not a five, name me a five. A five? Yeah, name me, name me a, a five in Dota. Yeah, name yeah, me. Now you're putting me on the spot, man. I don't. No, because you're saying everyone is eight, nine, right. and ten. So who's a five? A five then? If I'm a is... two. There has to be somewhere in between, right? I'd say AUI is a five. Okay, that's a pretty. What good makes choice, him actually. a lot more e egotistical than me? What's he's the just, difference? No, he's. I think five is the best place to be. It's a normal ego level. That's where you want to be. You're too low. You're way too low. Okay. That's what I'm saying. All right. All right. Are you ready for mine? Yeah. So, what do I, still I don't think? Understand why we have to show this? Well, because it's to make sure nobody's cheating. Like I don't want you to change it. Just okay. let me do what I want to do. Why do you have to question everything in why life? Why wouldn't you just trust me? Like, why do no, I have it's to not show a, it to I know. I trust you. Oh, it's more about that the viewers. Too when it's I more about it. the viewers trusting you. Okay? okay. They don't trust you I like I do. Yes. Okay. All right. So okay. what do I think my ego is from one to ten? Oh, I Amongst... need to show it first, right? No, no, no. I say mine first, and then you show me what you think. Now, I'm very scared about this because... Didn't we just do it the other way around? No, we did not. I showed mine after you said, okay. God, forgot Cindern. Are you having a stroke? Jesus. Yep. Help. All right. I'm actually scared to answer this now because I'm going to look super okay. egotistical thinking I'm not egotistical. Does that make sense? Okay. I All think, right, so I genuinely think that I'm a four. Ta-da. Oh, okay. Five. That was pretty Not close. bad. Yeah, that's good. pretty good. good nice job. safe choice. Thank you, Cindern. I quickly just scribbled that down after you said four. <laughs> I write really quickly. Cheater. All right, cool. So that is a uh, new segment that we're going to do. Cinder and really butchered it this time. It'll be better next time, I promise. Why? You can give us suggestions. On what Dude, you actually you're just you're making it sound like I ruined like every segment of this episode. You guys can give us some Dude, suggestions on what to write. I was sick and I showed up for this, and all I get is shit. <laughs> um. So yeah, that is the end of the episode. Uh, quick announcement. Not that people really care that are listening, but. Chip, the community hero and item project, will be coming back. Uh, we're putting in a shit ton more heroes. I'm super excited. I've been working a lot on that lately. 
Cinderin's hero is not amongst them, by the way. Uh, that one is true. Way in the backlog right now. Um, but there is a hero. For a while. There is a hero coming out that I will not mention yet, but it involves three heads. Okay. Oh dear. That voice number like one. Voice number one will be me. Voice number two oh. will be Slacks. Voice number three will be Cinderin, whether he likes it or not. Wait, what? Okay. Voice voice number three is Cinderin. So look forward to that. Uh, other than that, uh, <clears throat> I guess we can quickly answer this if you want. Caffeinated Savage asks, will you be having guests in the future? Do you want to answer or am I supposed to answer this one? <laughs> I mean, I said you should answer. Go ahead. You give your okay. answer and I'll give mine. Hey, hang on. I'm just busy ruining this segment. Just give me a moment. Am I done now? Did I ruin it? Yeah, it's it already ruined. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes, we will, but not in the next few episodes, at least. Uh, but we have talked about it, and we do. Uh, I think what we will do, we didn't discuss it in very much detail, but the the way I at least interpreted it, that I think we're on the same page, is that it makes sense to get guests if there's something good for them to talk about. Like, if they're an expert in the field or... Mm the topic just fits what you want to hear from them, right? So we're not just randomly getting a guest like, hey, let's just get this guy on. We want to get them on because we will talk about something that they care about or have a very, like, a relevant opinion on. For example, if we were to make a segment on the Tier 2 scene, it would make a lot more sense to get a Tier 2 player to talk about it than to get Kuroki, you know? Um, that's my opinion, at least. That, that's, yeah. no, I agree. that's the thing about guests. But not yet. For now, it's just the two of us ruining everything. So No, you're ruining or me. everything. Yeah, yeah, I would you're say doing if, really great, if I had a, I'm so sorry, if I'm, I, really, honestly, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I've really not been performing today. It's okay. It's the but headache. My, it's... Five, my five ego keeps me from admitting. <laughs> it, so. Good. All right. With that, well, I, I was gonna say that if I had a number in mind of how many times we have a guest, how often it would be every couple months, so like one out of every eight episodes or so. Just a random number. We're not going to... Okay. If it makes sense, it makes sense. All right. Just like Thanks for watching. five was also a random number. Yeah. Thanks okay. for listening to the Ego 5 versus the... What, what did I give you? Ego 2. Whether he likes it or not, he is a fucking Ego 2. Uh, until next time, guys. And remember, you can look forward to a future segment on how many times do you wash your hands a day? Until next time, Suns Fan and Cinderin signing out. Goodbye.